0: Offices of our friend Misha Dan Duta, who's currently on the mend in the hospital, but he's with us all the way. He has brought us some amazing poets, and now our first of the afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce this fine, fine poet, Corina Oprea. <inaudible>
1: Me habían explicado que alguien de entre nosotros, que era santo, había resucitado al tercer día y había subido al cielo. Ella también era santa, pensé, y mientras esperaba, tenía el corazón encogido, por si en vez de quedarse, subiría al cielo, ella también. Anastasis She died at night. I mourned her three days. Then I lay beside her patiently, waiting for her to resurrect. I was told that someone among us, who was a saint, rose from the dead on the third day and then ascended into heaven. She was a saint too, I thought. And while I was waiting, I had a heavy heart and I feared that instead of staying, she too would ascend into heaven.
0: Beautiful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you. Then I'll read another poem, maybe Mircea, when I'm like um, 10 minutes already, you can, you can just tell me to stop. Uh, the poem is called Blue Monday, the title is in English, and uh, i read it in, in uh, Romanian first, and then in English. Există o viață în care mă duci de mâna până în fața porții și mă aștepți apoi la ieșire ca să plecăm și să trăim în grabă, intens, ca și cum am ști că destinul va smulge rădăcinile florilor ce cresc înlănțuite în lăuntru sufletelor noastre. Ce sunt sufletele? Ca să împletească cununi și să le așeze peste morminte. Există o viață, aceeași viață, în care tu scrii pentru mine toate cuvintele de care mi-e dor, unde compui toate melodiile ce mă conțin, unde pictez tablouri ce mă adopostez, în grabă, intens, ca și cum ai ști că destinul colecționează cuvinte, sunete, culori și apoi le împrăștie peste morminte. O viață în care ești ploaie, ce face mai dens, cenușiul și-i dă sens, în care pășesc alături de tine, în timp ce-am sap mormântul, dintr-un instinct ubicu și permanent, care se repetă cu certitudinea că există o altă viață, care durează o singură zi. Colocuim cei ce ne-am născut dispuși să suportăm durerea singuri, ducându-o după noi spre capătul zilei, unde nici nu va mai exista. Nu ar avea sens să spunem că este o viață foarte tristă, nu fiindcă n-ar fi poetic, ci pentru că n-ar spune nimic despre clipa în care luăm foc, despre felul cum ardem lent ca să ne transformăm în cenușă spre capătul zilei, și nici nu ar exista marșul, doar în zori, soarele, pe picioarele ce ne poartă, pe mâinile cu goluri incandescente, cine întreabă dacă and in english it says sorry ah blue monday there is a life when you should take me by the hand up to the front door And you wait for me to come out, to go and live hastily, intensely, as if we knew that destiny will rip off the roots of the flowers that grow entwined inside our souls. What are the souls? To weave wreaths and lay them on tombs. There is the life, the same life, in which you write for me all the words that I miss, in which you compose all the songs that contain me, in which you paint all the paintings that shelter me, hastily, intensely, as if you knew that destiny collects words, sounds, colors, and then it scatters them on tombs. A life in which you are reigned that compacts the gray until it makes sense, in which I walk next to you while I'm digging my tomb in a ubiquitous, in a permanent ax which repeats itself with a certainty that there is another life which only lasts one day. We live it, those of us who were born ready to bear the pain, alone, dragging it behind us until the end of the day, where it ceases. It wouldn't make any sense to say that it's a very sad life, not because it wouldn't be poetic, but because it wouldn't say anything at all about the way we're set on fire about the way we burn quietly to turn into ash at the end of the day. And there wouldn't be any witnesses either, except at dawn, the sun on our restless feet, on the hands with their incandescent toes, and the shy, crepuscular blink of our eyelids at the end of the day, when death lurks and asks if poems really make sense. Lovely. And I'll, I think I'll end because they're somehow long poems. I end with another poem, which will give um, space for for another uh, for another poet to read for other type of poetry, um, which is called um, because it's not yours. And I'll read it in Spanish, the original language language it was written it, uh, written in. No sabes acabar este poema porque no es tuyo. Te llegó un día lleno de amapolas, calladas, exangües y ausentes. Se te posó sobre los ojos como una mariposa despistada y te cegó, pero sentía sus alas tambaleantes, aturdidas, lejanas. Hoy tu aleteo ilumina tu ceguera. Te habla en una lengua extraña Hecha de un silencio infinito Como un campo de trigo verde dormido bajo el sol Te confiesa que hay muertos jóvenes Que aún pueden oler la tierra húmeda Muertos que viven abrazos en la hierba Felicidades amargas que palpitan bajo la piel del olvido Últimos y sagrados deseos De inocentes desaparecidos en alguna de tantas guerras o un hambre atávica que se filtra raíces abajo junto al olor a pan recién hecho. También te confieso que no hay muertos viejos que ya no pueden oler ni recordar olores, muertos que se han vuelto materia en descenso hacia el centro de la tierra, donde toda la vida que hemos sido se reduce a un punto ínfimo que todo lo contiene. No sabes acabar este poema porque no es tuyo. Es el poema de todos los que han vivido muerte y vida voluptuosamente, los que saben que la tumba es el único espejo que siempre te devuelve el mismo rostro. Un poema que sube desde las entrañas de la tierra, a tiempo y espacio, se posa sobre tus ojos, efímera masiposa cegadora, y te pide desesperadamente que lo continúes. And I finish with a poem in English, which says, Because it's not yours. You don't know how to end this poem, because it's not yours. It came to you one day, full of silent, weary, absent poppies. It perched on your eyes, absent-minded butterfly, and it dazzled you, but you felt its wings quivering, bewildered, far away. Today, its fluttering wings light up your blindness. It speaks to you in a strange language made of infinite silence, like a green wheat field fast asleep in the sun. It confesses there are young dead who can still smell the humid earth, dead who feel the touch of an embrace in the grass, bittersweet happiness that throbs beneath the skin of oblivion. The last and sacred desires of innocence, lost in one of many worlds, or an atavistic hunger that seeps down into roots, together with the smell of freshly made bread. It also confesses there are old dead, who cannot smell or remember the scent. Dead have turned into matter descending towards the center of the earth, where the life we have been reduces itself to a tiny dot that contains everything. You don't know how to end this poem because it's not yours. It is, a, it is the poem of all those who live life and death voluptuously, of those who know that the tomb is the only mirror that always gives back the same face. A poem that climbs up from the bowels of the earth, retraces its steps and its time, perches on your your eyes, ephemeral, dazzling butterflies, and desperately asks you to continue it. So I will ask somebody else to continue the poem. Thank you.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That was exquisite. Uh, thank you, Marche, for bringing it to us. Uh, the incredible poet Corina Oprea. Uh, here we go with Daniela Hendi.
2: Thank you very much, our guests, for coming, for giving up lunch, breakfast, given uh, given the time and uh, in different different corners of the of the globe. Um, many thanks, many and warm and respectful thanks, respectful thanks as usual for Rick for hosting us uh, as usual every Saturday at uh, uh, at this time and for his uh, um, unusual interest for poetry and for the Romanian poetry uh, in particular. Please allow me to welcome you also with the second uh, Advent uh, week with two candles today because it is uh, the second second Advent uh, weekend and to quickly introduce you three distinguished uh, ladies uh, coming from three corners of the world, um, all of them being Romanians, And writers, each of them writing in a different language, they will tell us this, each of them particularly. So, welcome Daniela Henda, she lives in Texas, United States, distinguished poet uh, that uh, writes, which writes in uh, Romanian and in English. Welcome Corina Oproje, she's from Barcelona. Distinguished uh, and exquisite Romanian poet writing in Spanish and in Catalan. Uh, welcome Paula Lavric from London, uh, a young lady that it is not only an excellent poet but also a great uh, uh, a great business spirit. Uh, she managed to connect the spirit of business with the spirit of poetry, something I very much admire and I have to admit. A little bit invite she is uh, she writes she is in London and uh, as far as I understood she writes in English uh, and uh, something all of us have in common it's that uh, no matter the language we write in we don't translate ourselves uh, we leave always someone else to do it because translators should be more objective and have a cooler brain and a most balanced brain uh, than uh, than we are as authors. And as I allowed myself to kindly invite and kindly ask Rick whether he would admit, he would accept to be one of the authors today because today's common idea, today, today's common uh, feature of the ones being here they belong to the diaspora they are in this case Romanians but they live all over the world and uh, they will say something about their experience about it Rick Spisak himself as a professor as a radio producer as a poet, as a cultural manager as a a cultural director and uh, moderator as a poet uh, is uh, the carrier of uh, the Central European spirit, the Moravian and Slovak spirit in the United States. Very interesting, even if actually he is, as far as I know, please correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, uh, the second generation living in the United States. You are born there. That's correct. Nevertheless, the Central European spirit is very much present in your behavior, in your poetry. So Rick, please kindly agree to be today also one of the guests as a Moravian Slovak poet born in America, but nevertheless with a very warm and romantic uh, Moravian soul.
0: I would uh, accept your very generous offer to read with these fine, fine posts. Thank you very much, Rick. I look forward to hearing.
2: We are honored to be in your company and uh, with your if you allow me last as the last on the on the list I would connect myself to this uh, constellation because even if formally I don't belong anymore to the Romanian diaspora as I live 50% in Bucharest and 50% in Prague or Ostrava so I'm only half diasporian. nevertheless I write in a foreign language, I write in Prague, and uh, the diaspora spirit uh, is not foreign to me either. So actually, we are today, I dare to say, five authors, all of them having a common feature, belonging in a certain way to the diaspora, to a certain kind of diaspora. I suggest, if Rick agrees, that our distinguished lady poets could say something about themselves as poets and as members of uh, the Romanian diaspora. Would like to start. Whoever. Alphabetic order is always the the most objective and according to the alphabetic order, just a moment, Daniela, Paula, Cori- Corina. I think it's, uh,
3: <laughs>
2: Okay. It's
1: well... Thank you, Mircea, for for inviting me to this reading. I'm really, really pleased to to meet both Daniela and uh, and Paula, uh, to see you again and meet meet uh, Rick. And I'm really eager to to hear your uh, your poetry. Thank you, Rick, for for hosting us. Well, uh, I'm going to say just a few things about about myself. I came to Barcelona. I live in Barcelona, in Spain, actually in Catalonia. And I came here 23 years ago, I'm not going to tell the reasons why, because that would be a very long story, so I'll try to make it short, and um, well, I'm an, I'm an English teacher in a, in a high school, so I teach 16, 18 year olds English in, in a Kaplan in high school. I also work in a um, creative writing school where I teach uh, poetry. poetry, poetry cannot be taught, but I, I do that. I mean, I have a creative writing course and, and uh, a kind uh, of reading club. Well, I'm a translator and and a poet. I translated um, basically from, from Romanian into Catalan or Spanish. I have translated... Uh, important poets like Anna Blandiana, for instance, Marin Sorescu, um, Lucian Blaga, which is a poet from the beginning of the uh, nine, uh, 20th century, a uh, great Romanian poet. Uh, and I translated like contemporary poets like Pope or Dino Um I have also translated from English. I translated a book which is called Red Bird, um, by Mary Oliver, and it was a real success here in in
3: London. Uh, I received uh, different
1: translation prizes, um, so so I think the translation was a kind of gate for me uh, to to publish my own poetry. I I started writing poetry uh, obviously in Romania when I was a teenager. That was really many years ago. And um, I, I, I started publishing in Transylvania, in Guna, uh, other other uh, literary reviews. But the first book that I published here in, in Barcelona, in Spain, was uh, a book called A Thousand and One Deaths, um, Miluna Muertes, which is a book which I wrote uh, after my mother's death. Um, it was my, my debut, let's say, and uh, this book was obviously published in, uh, in Romanian uh, years later in 2018. And I have to disagree with uh, Nietzsche. I have to say that I do translate my own poetry into Romanian. but I I write in Spanish and I write in, in Catalan and then I do my own versions uh, in, in Romanian. Then I published another book which is called Intermittencies. Two years later, in 2018, in 2019, I published a book which is called Early Eternity. It, this was published in uh, in Colombia, in Bogota. And the fourth book I have just published it. Uh, it's for the hand that trembles, and is a book which I wrote in Catalan, and which is it, it's a book that speaks about. Um, this um, very fact that we are talking about of uh, writing in another in another language which is not your own. It's a it's a quote by Dante, the uh, the hand that trembles. And I would have uh, really loved to be able to read from this book today, but the only book I have translated into English is the first book, which is uh, Thousand and One Death. And I made the translation, um, actually the translation was made by like a rough version by myself, and then it was um, uh, in collaboration with an American, very well-known American poet, Bruce Weigel. He is a a war veteran and a really fine uh, poet, and uh, that's the version. That's what I'm going to read today actually because it's the only thing I have uh, in, in English from the other books I have no other translations into English I have in Romanian or in French or even in Swedish my, uh, my uh, um, an anthology of my poetry was translated into into Swedish I just published this this year um, Different other poems were translated in uh, in French, uh, Italian, Bengali, and um, Mircha has translated some um, some of my poems, I think. Uh, into yes, I, I'm right. I was thinking now if it wasn't another another person, but it was translated into like, some of my my poetry. And well. Um, I'm going to read from from my first book, from A Thousand and One Death. And um, it's it's a, as the title says uh, or indicates, it's a sad book. So I don't want to make anyone sad today, but it's the only option I have because it's the only translated. <laughs> so and, I, and I'll try to read. Uh, I'll read the poems in English, and then I'm going to, I'm going to read them in the original, some of them, and in Romanian. Um, like one or two, yes? Yeah?
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, so I start with the poem, which is called Anastasis. And uh, i read it first in Spanish. Murió de noche, la lloré tres días, y luego, your, your audio, Mircha.
2: Yes, I think it would be more intelligent to unmute myself. Um, so, following this uh, principle of uh, the alphabetic order, please kindly, Daniela, to take the floor. Sure. I am wondering.
4: Well first, hello, everybody. and uh, I'm also so glad to be here and be able to connect with my fellow uh, riders from... Romanian writers from uh, from diaspora from outside Romania, either in uh, London or in uh, Barcelona. Yeah, this is a very special occasion for me, and I've been also um, i I keep on wondering how should I start, how should I go on after Corina's poetry, which truly moved me. So I need a moment to recollect. <laughs> um, that was that was wonderful, Corina. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so I'm connecting from Texas, United States, um, where I've lived uh, on and off for the last uh, 13 years. Um, I've lived in a few places in the United States, uh, which have found their play, uh, which have found their way in into my poetry and my writing. Um, I lived in Kansas. I lived in Oregon. I lived in Texas, and uh, I'm glad to have had this uh, almost. Uh, universal American experience, in a way, as much as that was possible. I've never planned to become an uh, an immigrant. I mean, um, I've always wanted to move on. Uh, After having lived for five years in Germany, I wanted to cross the ocean. (laughs) I don't know what it is about... Wanted to cross the ocean into America, uh, but I wanted to do that. So thir- 13 years later, I'm still here. But the thought of going back to Europe has never um, left me. And uh, I'm uh, when I picked the poems for today, I saw that it was not hard to realize that so many of my uh, of the poems in English are rooted in various places in Europe and in, in the States where I've been, I think I just tried to ground myself after I left Romania, to ground myself to my hometown, to ground myself to all the places that I've traveled. So I think that's my red line of my poems today. Um, they're poems about the places that meant something to me, places in the world where, where I've lived or traveled and meant something to me. Um, I, my, um, uh, the, my first volume of uh, poetry uh, was published in 2018 at, um, at, um, Tractalia Press in Bucharest, and it's called Acordor de Ceramine Ceremine Tuner, and, um, I'd like to also go back and say that was um, deciding to write this uh, volume. Um, um, the decision to write this volume was prompted by um, my son's diagnosis with autism. and actually that was the spring board for me to start writing seriously, to go from my just my uh, notebook to publishing. and it's um, it's been. Recognized as um, uh, one of the few volumes in Romanian that address uh, the condition of autism, and uh, um, so that was my um, my official start in uh, poetry. Um, I think I've um, first wanted to publish in Romanian. Um, I think someone said. I think uh, Corina said that. Uh, and me, that uh, maybe one just started starts with the national, uh, with a national progression of writing in uh, their own language first, and then um, find their footing, and then uh, write in English. Uh, so I guess that was my my way, my uh, um, course. Um, well. I've also realized that um, after coming to the United States, I've been drawn to language. I'm uh, my um, formal education is in uh, chemistry, uh, so I um, practiced chemistry for a few years after I came to the United States. But I gravitated to translation. I think I wanted to hold on to language as much as I could. Um, I've worked in the translation industry um, for a while now and uh, also uh, have started uh, into literary translation, um, having published a few Romanian contemporary poets into English, into various um, English journals. And that's uh, that's one way where I think I can uh, fully support uh, Romanian literature abroad by translating contemporary romanian poet um so yes i'd like to move on to reading a few poems as i said i was a little bit nervous uh, trying to pick them but i realized i haven't realized it before so many of my english um, poems uh talk about a uh, a specific place and was, then it was easy to, uh, to see a common uh, denominator so I was very happy to see that one of the poems is uh, located in Prague so I'm going to start with this one <laughs> um, uh, it's called Drone Over Prague the drone hovering over the empty streets of Prague Reminder of my old desire to linger as a ghost after I die long enough to cover every square inch of this planet before crossing into the other dimension. In my dearest travel memories, I sit at a café in a European city square, equestrian statue, clock tower, spring fountain, watching people as they almost rub shoulders while moving in every direction. Let me reconsider this postcard. It wouldn't be something to become a ghost in times like these, to roam unattended, all roads and squares and cafes and museums, wander unearthed earth devoid of crowds, as drawn to solitude in the a- afterlife as I was in the one before? So that was the poem about Prague. And then I move on to a poem about my hometown. Zalo. On the coffee shop blackboard behind me, set as amusement, I wrote the first thing to my mind. Zalo, the name of my hometown, where I was born, where I grew up, pronounced like hello, of all the words I could have written. No one has heard of Zalo, I imagine. On the news, footage of explosions, of fire. Habitats turn to rubble, to ashes, and I think, that's someone's hometown. How would I take it? I make sense of my childhood memories by wandering my hometown streets. I still needed to be there, waiting for my right time. On the way back to the counter, every coffee drinker will see Zalo reduced to red chalk until someone will decide to erase it. Then I move on to Kansas, where I first came to the United States. Um, The Last Stretch. I found my seat on the small propeller plane, ceilings low, aisle narrow, a carnival ride, going to Kansas instead. I bet a lot happens in Kansas, a colleague's sarcasm, (laughs) when i go going to America. Where in America? I found my aisle seat. Next to me, a young blonde girl with lots of highlights. Light through the window. My thoughts, bursts of fireworks. I'm going to KU campus too, I shouted. She said nothing. After that, I stared for the remainder of the hour at the bleed hole in the acrylic window. The clouds, rays bouncing of fuselage. The KU logo on the back of, of her shirt. First December in Lawrence, Kansas. I spelled its name in my mind, ecstatic. Eyes on the fresh V in my Romanian passport. America. I hadn't foreseen crossing a baseball diamond on foot in Lawrence, Kansas, the shortcut to the university bus station. Early morning, snow up to my knees. No one told me the first things I needed. A driver's license, a vehicle, winter tires. I wrapped my neck, my chin in the scarf my grandmother knitted, hid in my suitcase. I touched my cheeks, expecting to see blood on the tips of my fingers after the wind gusts that slapped me. I part my lips, America. Each letter sound drops at my feet, an icicle or a snowflake. And this poem I also translated in Romanian, so I'm going to read it in Romanian.
0: <laughs>
4: Primul decembrie in Lawrence, Kansas. I am numelen numele minte Ecstatic. a atintiți la visa prospeta din pasaport. America. Nu mi imaginați traversarea unui teren de baseball pe jos in Lawrence, Kansas, scurtătura spre stația de autobuz a universității, la crăpatul zilei, the padă până la genunchi, nimeni nu menționase primele lucruri de care abuzesc neaparat nevoie. Permis de conducere, vehicul, căuciucuri de iarnă. Mă învelesc mai strâns în fularul țicotat de bunica ascuns tot de ea în bagaje. Îmi ating obrajii așteptând să văd sânge pe buricile degetelor. După rafala de vânt ce mă pălmuise. Îmi deslipesc buzele. America. Sunetele cad rând pe rând la picioare, fie un țurțur, fie un fulg. Și apoi... Ultimul poem pe care în engleză. Se de Paris. Se numește uh, Cathedral Notre Dame de, de uh, Paris. i choose fire would someone put a gun to my temple, make me pick between overnight ashes and over century dust for Cathedral Notre Dame de Paris." Bound to frog in pan principle, anything passing slowly enough dissolves in the sludge machine of memory, giving the mind and the heart time to align with each other. Fire startles, dust lulls, at least someone who'd left the old world for the new. No doubt what's been there for a thousand years will still stand for a couple more decades give or take a few bricks. Besides, nothing can temper with a historical landmark. Not fast enough. It couldn't be halted before significant damage. Except fire. Ah, fire. With all this wa- ocean water in between, I forgot about fire. Entropy. Notre Dame, the disorder. Winks Clicks tongue on teeth. Still here. Working my obscure magic in case you'd forgotten how quickly I can crumble your path. Rest assured the French will rebuild the cathedral as world rejo- news rejoice its sound structure. French magnates, checks in hand, half a billion dollars at the ready for its reconstruction. We're conditioned to autosave, 3D, 3D print, restore, Previous versions of our work. (laughs) And if the new Notre Dame will more or less overlap my old photos, stained glass sparkling in the background, I won't question the age of the woodwork. After all, whose fault is it that I fastened my memories to a funeral pyre? And why would anyone anyone who cannot swim cross an ocean to a new life still expecting to return to the same old one at any time Um, so those are my poems about my experience abroad and thank you so much
0: thank you just eloquent beautiful thank you
2: thank you very much thank you very much daniela Um, another kind a different kind of emotion equally strong As the one Corina came with, and uh, equally strong and sensitive and sensible as Paula is going to bring us to.
0: And now our third poet, Paula, the floor is yours.
3: Thank you so much. Um, It's such a big honor to be here with you, Um, and to meet you, Rick. It's such a pleasure. Likewise. Uh, Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, uh, I'm very excited, actually, to talk um, about my poetry, um, because I don't really like doing this. I like writing more than talking about myself, especially giving biographic details, you know, like, you can Google, (laughs) you can find them, and they're not so essential. But I will start by saying that I was born in uh, 1990 in Romania. In the year which, you know, I call it the year of change When they moved from the communist to a democratic uh, country And, you know, somehow this got implemented in my head That um, I supposed to bring change in the world as well, you know Because (laughs) that's when I came in Um, So um, what I can say um, Always change made me right I was nine years old when I started, of course, with some, uh, you know, like, innocent poetry at that time. My parents, my family, actually moved from the city life to a village. And you know, that uh, brought me closer to life, to nature. It was such such a big difference for me to start to analyze the things around me. And uh, so that was um, what triggered uh, this writing for, for myself. And um, also, it was six years ago when I moved here uh, in London, uh, when again, after a short break, I started to write poetry again. I call that a break because it was a time in my life when I, um, um, when I played a bit with uh, prose, and I wrote uh, and published a novel and uh since i moved here uh you know i i came back to my first love which was poetry and and again it, you know it was this change in the environment that um uh brought me uh, back there so um i will uh, give some details uh, about my debut uh, in poetry um when I uh, came out with my first poetry collection, that was happening in 2010, and uh, the book was called uh, Momente Sacre. In translation, would be Sacred Moment. Um, and then I had my debut in novel uh, uh, in 2014, uh, Disputa din micul Paris um, with Herg Bennett publisher. Uh, in translation, would be The Dispute in Little Paris because. You know, Bucharest is called The Little Paris uh, but I will not talk about the novel <laughs> because we are talking poetry today uh, and now I have an upcoming book uh, Poetry again um, it's supposed to be released in March this year but you know I keep <laughs> moving it forward <laughs> so it's like on hold um, uh, and this one uh, should be called if I keep the title Dorul uh, este care pecare data. It's a Romanian poetry. Uh, in translation would be, Longing is the ocean I sometimes swim across. It's a long title, but it's very powerful and it speaks for uh, all the, the text inside that uh, collection. Um, so, um, I guess that's pretty much all I wanted. To to tell about my myself uh, and I will just move to uh, to reading and what are what I prepared for today it's not going to be in the poetry collection I'm about to release um, they are mostly uh, English uh, poems in English I started to write since I joined um, um, a community here in London of artists uh, they are mainly black people, it's a black community, um, uh, a community for black people. Uh, But, you know, like, (laughs) I could fit in as well. (laughs) And I love their spirit. And, um, uh, you know, they... uh, It's called Poetic Unity. And they brought to me this love for rhyme, which, you know, is not so fashionable anymore, especially not in the... um, um, you, uh, you know, in the free and narrative uh, Romanian uh, poetry, um, for, uh, you know, from nowadays. So, uh, I fell in love with, uh, with Rhymes again, and I think, uh, English sounds so good, actually, uh, in Rhymes, and, um, also, since I'm living here, you know, like, I discovered time, <laughs> and like I'm living more in the present. So that's the difference between the poems I'm writing in English and those in Romanian, because in Romanian it's mostly childhood, they are projections. But here in English, (laughs) I write about the now and uh, everything that's happening, like pandemics, like it's all the present time. Um, And because uh, Daniela, took us around the world, <laughs> uh, I, I decided to, uh, to take you to London, <laughs> so pack your suitcases and join me. <laughs> this first poem I'm going to read, it's called, When You Come to London, winds will blow, blow, winds will scatter the rains. newspapers will carry with them conspiracies and make them forgotten in the canal. Instead of people, you will touch magnetic figurines. They will stick to the buckles and on the bottom of your backpack blackberry seeds. Adjustable straps readjusted. London is the seal everyone wants to imprint on the other. Where romantic musicals leave metal particles on your tongue. When you come, On a double bed, you will embrace isolation, sterile and cold, washed at 90 degrees Celsius, dried on the barred window, and wrapped in cling film. You'll see God ending up with all the satisfaction. Um, My second poem, it's called, To all my children I decided not to conceive. Someone else has already given birth to you, and you belong to them and yourself as much as belonging to me. You are my child, and I am your child, possessions of a reoccurring infinity. And there's a day when our paths will cross as travelers on the same journey or best friends. One day we will date, spend the night together, and while you sleep, I will live A book on your nightstand. In my book, I write for the lonely. In my melancholy, we'll find place all the birds who lost their nests. I have to overfunction and overflow grace and compassion, food and water, to give to this world happy, autonomous children. For trying to relieve emotional hunger with food is like draining bottles of ink when you are thirsty all these destructive, compensatory behaviors, my hunger feeds with itself, and my thirst is relieving with thirst, for my authentic love is always within, and this permanence gives a true sense of myself. And this is both your parent and your child, unique and equal, trying to convince you of our greatness and the greatness of our decisions. We will not be judged or forgotten nor for the things we haven't done yet, nor we will be approved for all the things we have done. It doesn't have to be you showing the flowers in your mothers and fathers or demolishing the weak bridges between them. Some plants send up new growth from their cuts or damaged roots, again and again defying inhibitors. You don't have to grow up with the guilt, shame, sadness, avoidance and terror of I feel it in my heart when my parents fight As spirits free themselves to rejoice in the growth of happiness I undress myself of this pre-assigned role Peel my skin off the bones like an old varnish Instead of bones, I discover delicate beanbags filled with blackbirds Who escape, flying high and low and near you are here permanence things are being here even when we don't feel them it has to be one who feels name and make it exist you're not just a tool for growing your soft hands celestial faces and your entire existence is love a love that cannot be created nor described only felt if only you could feel how very hopeless and lonely you are not. Okay, so that Lovely. was my second Lovely. Thank you very much. That was my, my second poem. Um, now um, I will I will read uh, uh, a more current one. Uh, my head's a TV. Uh, I wrote this poem. Uh, Very recently, um, you know, with all these pandemics, I was getting in the routine of keep checking the news every morning. I would wake up and I wanted to check, like, what's happening? Which tier are we in? Second, (laughs) first, (laughs) are we in the lockdown again? Like, you know, I was obsessed with this news. And... I was having bad migraines from that and I said, no, I have to stop it or my head will explode. And I wrote this poem and you know, it was like a relief for myself. So my head's a TV with porcelain tattoos on top, not a cosplaying object head, not a conti. My head is this weighty box that keeps me sitting and forces me to listen to the latest news. Someone controls the channels and my volume, and the God must be the one giving me power to keep things going on. The machine takes over the human being, and I get fatigued. The only time I'll purse my lips and clench my jaw, reminding myself the inside only is mine. They call the supplier, call it blinking or flickering, turn me on and off, check the cables, the connectors, sometimes sometimes take me to therapy, then decide if I might be too old for this, eventually upgrade my head to a smart LED. My new head, errated and minty like a bubbly chocolate, does not allow me to make memories. You know, I have to keep it clear, to keep my mind, I have to keep things clear for add-ons extras. This head acts like a top-branded TV, people are looking at without questioning or seeing through. They only like being told and listened to what they want to hear. That's when I close my eyes and my head becomes a radio. Okay.
0: And and
2: that was um, a
4: great
3: uh, <laughs> 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 Thank
4: you so much. Really
2: um, a very sensitive, a very sensible, sensible poetry and uh, what I would like to mention is, I don't know whether the other ones will agree or not, but I think the poetry you read is marked in a special way uh, also by uh, your, uh, let's say, civil preoccupations. I mean, I think that business spirit of yours, the chemical uh, education, uh, the education in the field of chemistry, in Daniela's case, uh, also, in Corina's case, as she mentioned already, has already mentioned, the translation activity, which actually determined her to start writing her own poetry. It is fantastic. It is fascinating, as all those fields are letting their uh, traces, their imprints, on on your poetry. Thank you very much. It was really uh, it was really more than a beautiful experience. It was an initiating experience. Thank you very much, Corina, Daniela, and Paula. And I hope we all agree, I mean the lady poets here and me, that it is the time to kindly ask Rick to take the floor and to tell us something about himself as a poet about his inspirational sources, about his books, and especially about this fantastic Central European spirit that is marking uh, and influencing so much, not only his poetry, but also his way, of, his way of being. Rick Spisak, welcome here as a poet this time.
0: Thank you, my we brother. We are
2: all
1: ears.
0: You're very yeah. kind. Um, I I had the great great good fortune to be raised in uh, a large family. Uh, my father uh, was one of nine brothers and sisters, so I heard the laughter, the sounds, the songs, uh, the partying, the sadness, and the fighting uh, that comes with a large family, and. When I would go to my mother's family, uh, my grandfather always had the music of Slovakia on the radio. And uh, I, I listened, and and that music became very, very much a part of my life. Uh, I started writing as a young man. I always knew I'd be a storyteller. Uh, I will say that much of my writing has been moved by a spirit of community. I was uh, raised in a Roman Catholic community, but I found myself at odds, even as a young man with so much of, of doctrine and dogma. And, I, and it all kind of came to a head and, and really launched me as a, as a social-minded writer. Uh, because I felt very much the spirit of liberty, the spirit of the Enlightenment, that we've made this progress from kings and princes, and and uh, and there was a human dignity that came into the world with the spirit of Enlightenment, and, and I very much felt part of that, and. Uh, As a a young child at 12 or whatever, I'm standing in line at the Catholic Church, and we're all being confirmed as young people in the church. And I saw these children each kissing the bishop's ring. And I realized the for most people it really meant nothing. But it seemed to me an affront to human dignity. And I realized there was no way I could explain that, that that as a 12-year-old in a world of grown-ups, I was, I was really without words. I could not speak. So, not being a fool, I said, well, Richard, just go through the motions. Just do this simple thing. It's a small matter. It means nothing to anybody but you. Don't blow this up. I should just quietly do it, walk through it. Don't worry about it. But when the moment came for me to kiss the bishop's ring... I couldn't do it. I shook his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so he snatches that, it back, puts it in my face, and said, in the kind of voice that no bishop should ever speak to a child, kiss it. Well, that clenched it for me. So I shook it again. And in front of the entire church, in brand new cathedral, hundreds of people, lots of my relatives, he said, Get out of my church. So, I did. I, I, I walked out of the church, and of course, it put a big problem for the party afterwards. But, but I took a vow. I took a very solemn vow because I was a spiritual person. I just couldn't go with that, and I, I vowed I would study every religion. I would read all the books that God gave to humans to try to understand what what was the message. So I've read the Quran, the Upanishads, the Ramayana, probably a dozen different Bibles, studied and tried to do it as a scholar more than just a reader. And I tried to really take some of that spirit. So I've taken vows in Buddhism, I've taken vows in Hinduism, I've studied closely these matters, and... As a student of philosophy and humanity, um, what could I do but but make my own little marks on the cave? So, I take my writing pretty serious. I've published two volumes of short stories thinking that in America, um, as writers go, the world takes prose and, and, and long-form novels very seriously. They just don't read them. <laughs> and poets seem to have this funny little corner of literature where nobody takes them seriously. And yet you know and I know that poetry is such a vital part of language, such a vital part of literature. Poetry is used to sell products. Poetry is used in sports. If poetry wasn't powerful, they wouldn't do it that way. They wouldn't use it that way. So I, I decided as a young man that I would go to poetry competitions which is so absurd to me. How can you compete of, as a poet? That's stupid. Poets want to share. Poets want to say, this is that funny thing that I thought, and what do you think? So, so I went for the community. And, and as the fates would have it, my work was recognized. I was given opportunities to continue. And uh, I was actually even given a radio show when I won a poetry contest and I thought, that's got to be the strangest way of getting into radio you could ever imagine. So, as a storyteller, I've worked in radio and television. I'm a commercial writer. I write for the internet. I do write marketing. That's what I do for my living. I, I write because I don't have a choice. I write because I can't live my life any other way. And the fact that these Little crumbs of ideas and of of heart, of harsh blood, brings me into a community of people like you. I am a fortunate man. I am a fortunate man. So, I published two books of short stories. One, a long title, (laughs) it's called Two Small Windows and a Pair of Mirror Doors. It's from one of the stories in there. I won't go into that now, but it's an interesting story. I, I sprinkle a lot of spirituality and and, uh, and irony and mystery in my writing. So you might find them, and you could read them as spiritual stories. You could read them as suspenseful, mysterious, magical realism. Uh, but I hope you read them and get some humor and that my humor touches. Then I wrote a second book. another collection of short stories, knowing that uh, short form is easier for people to digest. Uh, It's called Between the Silences. And I think that's what writing is. You know, we, we think, we brood, we have our melancholy, we have our joy, and then we come back to words because we have to come back to words. We have to, we're poets, we have to sing our little songs, you know, Okay, I'm about to publish my first volume of poetry next month. Um, it's called 7370 Allen Drive. Uh, it is the home of my wife. That was the home of my wife when we married. And uh, we have been married 50 years. And uh, she was my high school sweetheart. We met when we were 14. <laughs> and we still enjoy each other's company. And that's a fortunate thing. So this is a tribute to her. And uh, poetry, I write a lot of social commentary, a lot of political humor. And uh, here, in the spirit of the diaspora, in the spirit of going away and being somewhere else, the first poem I want to read you is called About Spider Consciousness. I wanted to imagine what it must be like To be a spider. To to look out through eight eyes at the world. So I wrote this. I try to imagine processing a world with multiple compound eyes. A dozen dancing darlings dodge. Catch caught the latching laughing leap. Tender fibers dance extending from each chancing, glancing limb, sensing not only the earth's passing exhalations, but also the immense, intense staccato pressure of the passing, flapping fly, or the dallying, crazy, bouncing, flouncing dance of a butterfly's weaving chance, Passing, flashing by a dozen sparkling spying eyes What a marvelous, dancing, darting life it must be. Then we see, bouncing onto our dancing dinner mat, some delicious gentle fly's prance. Excited iridescence in its fast-beating enthusiasms. We're wakened from our dreamy musings, from our somnolent dreams of dizzying heights and leaping capture. Such strong drink. Freed. From its shiny broken mask Pinned forelegs Wrapped taut, tugged secure We leap looping our shining threads Over legs and wings Our dinner companions repose And soon, when the soup is quite ready Just now, dessert arrives What shaking, steadying pulse Another beating tattoo on the world's great drum ear, Listening each captured fool's tap, straining its pulsing print, tugs, lags, tugs, exhausting, each beat calling, food here, food here, tap, pause, tap, tap, share its snarling snare, its translucent wings and many faceted eyes, staring, sparkling shimmer, how I must chime and chortle Each time as I pass my looping dance, staring wildly immobilized by my snaring, snarling loop, my dance magnified and multiplied in those myriad shimmering eyes, straining. Each week, each wing, inevitably pinioned is my plan. How must they, must he, seize he of me as we approach and bounce on my darling sparkling carpet? Fresh woven of dreamy, dazzling diamond silk. Through airlets and droplets pelt my bouncing threads. One by one, as dinner guests arrive, I must chance my ancient dance for them. First this way and that, sway we waving day together, each loop quieter and smaller than only little snug tugs. As I, my special sauce, prepare, high above the loving ground we airily float. Dancing amidst the shaking leaves and towering trees, while slowly, slowly gather they here for me, my bounty. Dinner complete, I clean each febrile wing, wiping my sweep, keeping each fine bristles free, To glisten listen, as they eat the hungry air for me, with every tender touch, each kill cur- courtesy, curtsy and bow, and look In comes the guests. They call, after all, to brush unrushed and stay. They found their dizzy, dancing, airy way here into my hungry heart. Each enthusiastic guest brings their special gusto. Each thrill signals zest, their vital urgencies, auguries. And while I wait, my hungry children are at their tumble play. Thank
2: you. Well, all in all, it is only one thing I can say. It is just Rick Spisak, poet.
0: Thank Thank you you. very
2: much, Rick. Besides the wonderful poem, also the story is completely in your style. And I hope, of course, I can't predict but I hope that once what you told us today will become a short story. Because that item, that subject about that bishop which told you, kiss it, it has such a potential, uh, and I would say also a kind of uh, poetic potential, not only uh, not only a prosaic one. So ladies and gentlemen, actually ladies, Rik Spisak, Slovak-Moravian poet living in America, a really unique personality in today's world of poetry. So uh, I think it was quite a rich edition, quite a rich recording. Um, if you allow me in before saying goodbye for today, I would read a poem I, write, I wrote yesterday and which uh, has to do with uh, purple hearts. Uh, I mean, you know, in chats uh, people send usually red hearts. Uh, I got two days ago or three days ago I got uh, a purple, actually a violet, a violet heart and this impressed me so much that uh, I promised the respective person to write a poem about uh, Violasheva's hearts. And I was very actually I put it on the Facebook. It's not too popular, I have to admit. Nevertheless, the destinatory uh, told me it is so beautiful that since now I'm going to send you only Violasheva's hearts. So the matter is here. I leave this at your judgment, and I won't, uh, I won't make it larger because, after all, your wonderful poetry. I guess it is just around. It is a beautiful edition, and uh, and uh, I will ask you kindly ask you to uh, allow me to write only to read only this uh, newest poem of mine. Please, sir. Um, Please. Thank you, thank you very much. It is It's going to be in English and translation, English translation and in Romanian translation. Uh, it is a uh, quite a long one, so I will give up the Czech original. So and so, Rick, I think it is only you and me which would understand it. Anesthesia A huge Christmas tree arose all of a sudden in your life. On its left side, your wishes, dreams, desires, and delusions so far. On its right side, things you have achieved so far, desires and dreams that came true, fulfilled wishes, successful projects or initiatives. You ask yourself, What's hanging in that tree that has stopped communication between its right and the left side? And why success no longer remembers initiatives or processes that were crowned with it? Why successful projects seem to have forgotten they are successful? And especially, where are all your failures, defeats, and fiascos disappeared. You don't have much choice. Although it is only the first Advent week, you will have to take down your Christmas decorations for finding out where the problem is, then throw the tree away so that everything would go back to normal as before. You are sorry, of course. as the huge decorated Christmas tree was so beautiful. But you did it, and the result looked promising, at least a part of it. Successful projects remembered they used to be successful. However, the failures were still missing. Nevertheless, you found such a strange violaceous heart on the very place where the Christmas tree stood. You don't even remember having such a Christmas decoration. At that moment your friend Tony called impatiently reminding you that in ten minutes you were to perform together live on Nova TV. You made it in the last moment. However, you both improvised very well and did a great job in the end. When you got home the Violet heart was no longer there. Anyway, you had completely forgotten about it. You felt a little thrill connected to it only a little bit later in the pub when Tony asked you whether you don't intend to decorate a Christmas tree this year, but as it happened after five beers, you felt like giving up on it. But without even knowing why, in the end, you answered quite inappropriately, I'm snowing. Everybody burst out laughing. Hey Jude, your coho is thirty years dead. You knew very well he was alive, and ninety-two, and you knew the other ones knew it too. You also understood why did they mean, what did they mean calling him dad? And this time, you really gave up on it. You got up from your table with your empty pint, and went to the counter. One more, please. The waitress was smiling, and her shiny lips took the shape of a violous heart. Forty-two, sir. Fifty. Oh, here's your... No, thank you. Keep the change, all right. And now, the Romanian translation. Anestezie. Dintr-o dată, în viața ta, a crescut un imens brad de Crăciun. În stânga lui, dorințele, visele, iluziile tale de până acum, în dreapta ceea ce ți-a reușit. Dorințe și vise împlinite, proiecte reușite, inițiative de succes. Te întreg ce anume se află în acel brad încât a reușit întrerupă comunicarea dintre partea lui dreaptă și cea stângă. De ce proiectele de succes par să fie uitat de succesul lor? De ce succesele nu-și mai amintesc ce inițiative au încununat și mai ales unde au dispărut toate eșecurile, înfrângerile și fiascourile tale? Nu ai de ales. Deși este doar prima săptămână de advent, va trebui să despodobești bradul pentru a afla unde este problema și apoi să-l arunci pentru ca totul să fie și să funcționeze la fel ca înainte. Ți-a părut rău. Uriașul brad de Crăciun împodobit era foarte frumos. Dar ai făcut-o, iar rezultatul părea promițător, cel puțin în parte. Proiectele de succes și-au reamintit de succesul lor, totuși eșecurile încă nu au reapărut. Exact pe locul unde fusese bradul, ai găsit o inimă ciudată, de culoare violacee. Nu-ți amintești să fie avut vreodată vreo asemenea decorație de Crăciun? În acel moment, te-a sunat prietenul tău, Tony, pentru a te aminti, alarmat, că în 10 minute urma să intrați împreună în direct la televiziunea Nova. Ați ajuns în ultima clipă. Dar ați improvizat perfect și ați scos-o la capăt cu brio. Când ai ajuns acasă, inima violace nu mai era acolo. Și oricum, îți si complet de ea. de mai târziu, în Cârciumă, Ai resintit o urmă de fior când Tony te-a întrebat dacă anul ăsta nu ai de gând împodobești un brad de Crăciun. Cum înseamnă, cum ele cu se întâmplau după cinci be, ai vrut să-l lași treaba baltă. Dar nici tu nu știi de ce. În cele din urmă ai dat un răspuns destul de ne la lui. Eu, Ning. Toată lumea a început să râdă. Băi, cohoută cohou-ul al tău e mort de 30 de ani. Știai că trăiește și care 92 de ani și că ceilalți știau și ei acest lucru, ai înțeles și de ce spuseseră mai înainte că era mort. Te-ai ridicat de la masă și de data asta chiar ai lăsat o baltă. Te-ai îndreptat spre teșgea cu halba goală. Încă una, vă rog. Chelnerița a zâmbit, iar buzele ei strălucitoare au luat forma unei lace. 42 de coroane, domnule. Poftim, 50 so thank you thank you very much all of you thank you for joining this marathon edition but I think maybe one of the beautiful ones we have ever had and uh, see you again uh, with uh, the next opportunity I mean with Rick next Saturday with uh, the rest of you, when Rick is going to broadcast after editing uh, our this uh, edition of us. Thank you very much once again, Colina uh, O'Proe, Daniela Henda, Paula Lavri. Thank, Thank you all. Respectful, respectful Thank you. thanks to Rick Spisak, poet, mm-hmm. producer, mm-hmm. romantic soul, and wonderful person. All the best. Bye.
0: Thank you all for joining us. Bye-bye.
3: Thank you. for having us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great
4: meeting you all.
0: We'll see you next year. This is Rick Spizak, co-host and producer of Poets of the East. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us.